episode four of Yellow Jackets, Old Wounds may be over, but we are just getting started here on post-show recaps, doing a deep dive into each and every episode of season two. If you want to make sure you don't miss a single podcast, be sure to subscribe at postshowrecaps.com slash yellowjackets or search Yellow Jackets in your podcatcher of choice. You can also go to postshowrecaps.com slash subscribe to see some of the top shows we're covering now and subscribe to all of the podcasts. If you want to add free versions of these podcasts, become a patron at postshowrecaps.com slash Patreon. I am Jess Sterling, and I am here with my co-host, the Lady Malawan to my John Wayne, Marissa oh, Garza. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, hey, Jess. We're here again. Another week of Yellow Jackets. Another week. Another amazing episode. And yes. we no longer have to play Obvi Javi. Or I guess we I still know. can in the present day. Um, but we do have an Obvi Javi here now. Manifesting Javi. Like we just ca- we called it out for so many weeks and he showed up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, another another Obvi Javi with us. We're joined by a special guest. He hitchhiked here all the way from London. Oh, wow. Stuart. Hi. Um, I'm heading west. But more importantly, uh, this needy pen, how much do you want for it? <laughs> uh, we're so excited to have you here, Stuart, because you are fairly new to Yellow Jackets. Um, if you all listen to the Succession podcast, you know that I tend to bully people into watching shows that are my favorite. And this is no exception. I bullied Stuart to watching Yellow Jackets. How'd you fare, Stuart? Um, I mean, I will say, like, to the bullying, um, it, relentlessly, don't think I'm faring too well. But for the show, <laughs> amazingly, um, I'm actually, yeah, supremely glad that you did bully me sufficiently. Um, to the level which I think I got through it all in four days. I think I went back and looked at, you like, when I was posting zoomed. everything. Yeah, it was like I watched the first episode one night, and then the next day I think I watched another six. Yeah, it was, oh my it, God. Was, it was an endeavor, yeah. Didn't so I do guess... too well for like the nightmares, but that was. I was going to say, how do you feel? You doing okay? You need to do there was one. Breathing? We all right? I watched. I watched one particular episode. That I can't remember which because they all become a bit of a blur after a while. Mm. But I did have problems uh, sleeping one night, and I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. Now this will be watched in the AM. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm curious to know how how the pacing worked for you because you did binge it all. Because I know for some people, the mystery box stuff can bother them. I know you you watched Lost, right? I'm pretty sure we mm-hmm. talked about this. Yeah. And like the ending wasn't exactly something that a lot of people loved about Lost. And sometimes they felt like they're presenting more questions than they are providing answers. How did how did that go for you in season one? I'm curious. I'm getting, uh, first, I remember I even said this when I first started it. I was like, I'm really concerned about getting like lost all over again. Like I didn't want that kind of investment only to kind of never really have it manifest in a way in which I wanted the resolution to come about. But what I'm getting from like, at least from season one was, okay, they are, they do seem to be going somewhere. Like I'm getting that real sense that this isn't just meandering around and going like, oh, mystery. Ooh. But they're mm-hmm. like, no, we've got somewhere that we are getting to and stuff. We're just doing a slow build. And I got that impression from it. And everything from season two is kind of confirming it as well. So I'm super excited. Yeah. Season two, I feel like Marissa, a lot of people are saying is like much more fast paced, it feels like in season one, which they do benefit from like, okay, setting up the pieces in season one and then already being able to kind of yes. uh, take flight in season two. Poor Laura Lee. <laughs> um, <laughs> take flight in a, in a better way than Laura Lee fared. Yeah, it's like the table is set. They can't, we can dive in, dig in. Mm-hmm. Yep, we can feast. We can feast on the story. <laughs> uh, so we do have a couple of housekeeping items to get through. Of course, don't forget, we have multiple Yellow Jackets podcasts every week. We have the early buzz with Josh Grace and myself on Fridays when the 
of episode first appears online on Showtime. Uh, and then we have, of course, later this week, Succession versus Yellow Jackets with Josh and LT. And a special Ooh. podcast announcement. Tomorrow, Grace and myself are going to be recording an interview with Nicole Maines, who plays <gasps> Lisa, a.k.a. Fork Girl. Um, so we are super excited to get to chat with her about her involvement in season two. And I, I'm this is like the perfect week, in my opinion, to also be able to interview her. So, yeah, I was going to say, I'm glad we found out her name before we got an interview with her. So we weren't like, <laughs> calling her for girl all of the time. <laughs> yes. That should be a very fun conversation. I look forward to listening in. Yeah. So definitely check that out. It will be released probably Monday or Tuesday. Um, and then, of course, if you have feedback, don't forget to send it in poshercapscom slash buzz, buzz, buzz. We did get some corrections corner, which we mm-hmm. always appreciate um, that Grace and I back on the early buzz podcast had talked about how we were like, oh, why are people bringing up Lottie shoplifting? Well, of course, she shoplifted. And that was like her big reveal in the early days of season one, which, of course, I just watched. But, you know my brain it's a sieve it's fine oh, well and there's also like a lot of television happening <laughs> no kidding <laughs> so, so, you know we are humans after yes. all. but we appreciate being you know reminded of the correct storytelling so. yeah um so let's let's dive into this episode old wounds uh we're gonna start out in 1996 we're in mm. the wilderness fan wakes up taisa uh apparently isa had brought her to another symbol and Van says to um, to Taisa that something in her knows the symbols are there. Van again, Marissa wants Lottie uh, and and Taisa to have a conversation, but Ty says no, and we see Van marking a little note on a on a map that she has created. Like Van, I I can only imagine has like the best intentions at heart in this. You know, she's trying to put this together. She really does care about Van. She I think she sees Lottie as a resource more than like any other thing but the fact that uh ty is so against talking to lottie is really Mm -hmm. something that i look forward to seeing maybe more especially now in current times that they are reunited so Mm -hmm. um it'll be interesting to see how that how that plays out i would be interested to see what isa has to say to that question of whether or not to talk to lottie i wonder if ty and isa have different answers yeah and i think there's something here Stuart, that we'll probably dig into a little bit more towards the end of the episode but like i feel like there is something to isa coming out probably a little bit more when van is around just because like there is that connection between van and isa as well well i wonder if it's a reaction to like kind of the projection that is kind of being put on ty for like the whole situation mm. like there's a lot of stuff that's like reactive and i think especially when like ty pulls away from everything it doesn't seem to manifest as much at least that's what the vibe i'm getting and i'm wondering if like the constant kind of like you are special you've got this connection it is kind of like pulling out i don't know i don't know what the heck is going on at all with it mm-hmm. it's yeah yeah strange. so In the present day, we're in Jessica Roberts' apartment, and we kind of – we're in this really weird state, Marissa, where we're kind of switching back and forth between Ty and Issa, and we Mm -hmm. see Ty or Issa taking the file folders out of, you know, out of Jessica Roberts' apartment. Um, And then we're in Ty's car. She wakes up, and her car is completely out of gas. We see the file folder that she took about the yellow jackets on her passenger side. And she has her phone with, like, a GPS up. Um, and she seems, like, completely out of it. Like, she had no idea. She was disassociating this entire time. 
Yeah, uh, it's really interesting to see like the time between Ty and Issa in the present day timeline be much more condensed. It reminds mm. me of a little bit of what Ben is going through with like the f- the flickering of his memory is kind of like what Ty is experiencing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really strange. Um, and then we get the theme song. But mm-hmm. if you're not a skip. Now, Stuart, I do have to say, I feel like you're the highest person. You're the highest on the theme song of all the people I've ever talked to. You really like this theme song. <laughs> Honestly, biggest thing. Like, I don't know anyone who doesn't like this. I don't understand it because this theme slaps. Honestly, it, I wake up in the morning and it is like first on my playlist as I'm walking to work. <laughs> really? It's so good. I love it. Yeah, it's I've gotten I think I've gotten used to it more as time has gone on, but it's certainly not for me. It is not a unskippable theme. Um, I will just note like, well, you know, it, it's just it's, 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 it's good. It's fine. But this week. I noticed something was different and it took until a variety article came out explaining what was going on for it to click in my brain. It sounded like garbly to me, Marissa. Like I could tell it was different, but I couldn't figure out why. And I thought it was associated with like the static that Ben has when he's like having these daydreams. But turns out it's because Queen of the Uh 90s, Alanis Morissette, recorded a cover of this song. Long may she reign. Long may she reign. She, like, uh, I know that voice. Like, it's, like, in me because of when I, like, Alanis' um, Jagged Little Pill was the first, like, explicit warning, like, CD that I bought. (laughs) (laughs) Such a badass. I know, right? Like, whoa. (laughs) Um, So, um, anytime, like, I'm very tuned to her voice. So I was like, is that Alanis? And then to have it um, confirmed by the article was really great and then um reddit when i was searching on reddit they did there's which i'll I'll share in the discord and maybe we can link in the in the show notes but there is a long conversation about like just the context of the theme referring to a point of no return and how there there's like a decision that needs to be made by a pilot as to whether they are you know going to continue on the course they're going on or take take a different turn and I think that's really applicable to our characters here especially in the second season and especially at this point in the season so the fact that this change in the theme song happened now of course everything on the show is intentional but um it really stands out to me as a very intentional choice yeah and I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on the theme song going forward to see like which episodes they use the original one or maybe the Alanis Morissette version or if we get other covers I mean Stuart couldn't pick a more classic 90s, like hard, like like a rocker grunge type of chick than Alanis Morissette, I think. No, it was absolutely perfect. And I get what you're saying about the whole like garbledness. I kind of was picking up on the fact that it was different, didn't quite uh, put that it was Alanis until the credits. And I was just like, ah, mind blown mm-hmm. and everything like that. I, I think the most telling thing is the fact that it's just for this one episode. Yeah. And I was like trying to put together, I was like, why this episode? Why this one specifically? Mm-hmm. Is it just because uh, Alanis came out of the woodwork as a like closet fan and was like, I need to have some involvement? And they were like, okay, we'll just throw it in here. Or is this something that they're intending to do kind of long term? Is there something to pick apart in terms of like an album title, song title that may be applicable to the themes of this? There's so many different ways in which this can be interpreted and it's also mm-hmm. this lends to the whole like kind of nature of the show as well it's like is this just another kind of like red herring thing that's put out there because yeah. n- i'm i'm sure that a lot is uh kind of intentional but sometimes i wonder if maybe we're seeing things when they don't actually oh, exist a thousand percent oh, yeah. anybody who has ever stepped foot in the yellow jackets reddit knows that like people <laughs> will pick apart anything 
Uh, and I, 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 we have some really fun, funny theories later. I think, especially like, I know I read a lot about like, who is this truck driver man who picks up Tyvee? So <laughs> what are the chances? Um, it does crack me it's up. Hey, if, if he turns, he's happy, happy. If hobby. he turns out to be someone important, then you know, whatever, foot and mouth. But I just, I do think it's very funny. Um, um, there was one comparison to a, another Showtime show, um, and I just want to give it a shout out. Weeds used to change. There would be a cover of their yes. theme song every single week. Little and boxes. Yes, exactly. It was a um, bop, too. Which was originally by, um, I think... Guthrie is his last name but anywho uh I don't know if there's any connections to weeds but it is something that we have it seen so if, it, if it continues if it continues that would be super fun yeah so we're back in present day we're in Shauna's house and Shauna lies again to Jeff saying oh the tow company just found our van on the side of the road we're so lucky <laughs> uh Callie lies and she says she's going to Alana's she's very quick in and out of that house uh, we find out that Jeff wears odor resistant crew socks, which kind of tickled me a bit. <laughs> Are those just like wool socks? Like, I, I don't know. How do you make an odor resistant sock? What are your takes on Jeff Stewart? <laughs> I mean, I, I questioned how stinky are his feet. Like, that you have to get specifically odor resistant socks. Um, I mean, Jeff is like, Oh, iconic. I mean, you can't get someone that is so bumbling and yet mm. so loyal. He's got, weirdly, I want to say big golden retriever energy, but I know there's going to be pushback against that because <laughs> he's not quite as adorable. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he's just so dopey. Like, he I think, is. actually, probably definition of a himbo. <laughs> yeah. he, he is the definition of a himbo. I've I've grown to really love Jeff, especially mm -hmm. because he does have such loyalty to Shauna. And he knows she's lying to him. Like, mm -hmm. this is so far-fetched and ridiculous. And he's bringing it up again after they already talked about it once. And all he says is he's just, like, eating his cereal. And he's just like, yeah, the cops know about the affair. And she's like, no, they don't. And he's like, yeah, I ran into Kevin at the gym. And they know. So there you go. <laughs> I so think Shauna, casual. Yeah. Shauna, I think, sometimes has the energy a bit of, like, I'm smarter than – I think I'm smarter than I actually am. Right? She gives a bit of that to make a succession comparison. She gets a little bit of shiv energy at times. Yeah. Her confidence can over, like, take over. And she yeah. can think she's in a better spot than she's actually in. Yeah. But I do find their relationship to be very interesting. And it does make a lot of sense if if – Jeff is like a himbo, and he he is a bit more passive. Uh, Shauna being a little bit more of the controlling one in that relationship, and you know, uh, dominating it a bit does make a lot of sense to me. Um, so we're at Lottie's house now. She's locking up some cabinets, and she's dressed very normally, mm -hmm. like jeans and everything. I that was totally on like yellow orange watch, and you I were. She, wear, yeah. she does wear orange later. In the later, episode, but not so. in this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, but. This creepy, the, the the camera work in this moment where we pan to the side and we just see Nat just staring at her. Julia Lewis is an icon. She's just, because <laughs> it's both hysterical and scary at the same time. Uh, and she's just like, oh, I need the keys. I'm going to help Lisa with the farmer's market booth. Uh, you know, after she apologized to me, I figured we could use some bonding. And Lottie lies and she says she's going to go to the bank. So that's, you know, just a normal day at the bank for Lottie. What do we think about Nat hanging out so much here? Like, do you think she, like, what do you think her, her MO is? Like, 
She's definitely like fishing. Like she's like uh, I think that is like I mean if you think back of like sort of uh being the one to go out and hunt and things i think she's probably got a kind of self-awareness of like okay we need i need to like kind of embed myself in the area kind of listen out for things and stuff like that and i think she's doing the same here she's hunting she's hunting for information and i think she's trying to work out what the heck is going on because there's there's the kind of surface level nature of everything weird cult lottie doing lottie things but then there's something more and she knows it and it's bugging her mm-hmm. and so she's got to kind of just stick around if she's not there then she's never going to find out and i think it's the kind of thing that is kind of just fueling her to kind of stay there is that she's got to she's she's got to be the one to be there yeah i also think she recognizes that lisa i don't want to say a weak link more of like um well lisa i have this bond with lisa that i can uh kind of manipulate use. And, yeah. and use to get more information on Lonnie and kind of break down from within this cult. Um, so Would you say I, she's like a key? Ooh, she's a key. <laughs> she's the key. Uh, we're on the road trip with Misty and Walter. Misty leaves another voicemail for Ty. And <laughs> she's like, I love her saying to Walter, like, oh, if Ty and Shauna are both also kidnapped, I'm going to be so angry. <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous. Like, so much work to do. Like, she can't, mm-hmm. she can't handle it. Uh, and Walter says, like, oh, do you want to tr- pick some music for the road trip? And he hands her a bunch of cassette tapes. And immediately, Misty's antennas go up, Stuart. And she's just like, oh, you're obviously just one of those Yellow Jackets obsessives. Um, you know, I'm honored that you chose me. But I'm not going to tell you anything about what happened out there. <laughs> I mean, this, I was like, the moment it happened, I was like, oh, maybe he is. Maybe this is what he's doing. And I was like, no, 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 no. This is someone that is clearly shown to be incredibly intelligent and also kind of it doesn't seem to want to take risks. At least is trying to like get Misty to stop taking risks in these kind of like um, situations. And why would he be so blatantly obvious? Why would he go for that? So yeah, yeah I I've got a feeling this. Oh, this again, it's like kind of hedging both bets. I'm like, well, it could or couldn't be, but I think perhaps it could be layering. It could be. I'm going to do something quite obvious. I think it's a bit of a double bluff. Yes. Doing it so obvious, being there and being like, mm, no, it's I just like musicals and stuff. I wouldn't put it past him having uh, done all the research, knowing exactly who she is. I mean, if you think that his research on her is just extending to like knowing her full name, no way. Not this mm-hmm. guy. It feels a little bit like the friends of like, they don't know. We know they know we know. Like, it feels <laughs> yeah. a little like that. Um Marissa, where are you landing right now? If you had to pick on, okay, Walter is is really like just playing up this part at this point and really does have ulterior motives, or is he simply just like he's a detective? He wants to be a, a citizen detective with Misty. Well, I think there is the element of the fact that he's like this millionaire, right? And super bored. And so if he's super bored, I can't imagine that he didn't spend time on the internet. Like I'm sure he knows all about yellow jackets. And just like wants to know more. So in terms of him not knowing anything about Yellow Jackets, I'm like, uh, or not being interested in it, I'm like out on that. But in terms of like the motive behind it, I think it's just like a curiosity, like yeah. see if I can get away with it type of thing. See if I can fly under the radar type of amusement as opposed to like anything that's malicious in any way. As of now, we'll see. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and they, they so they both really love show tunes. They love musicals. And Misty puts on Rainbow Tour mm. from Evita, which I apologize, listeners. I'm not a musical theater you. person. I got Marissa, you. explain to me this 
is there an importance here to this song or this musical? Um, well, okay. So Evita is about Ava Perón, who was the wife of Perón, who was like the leader of Argentina at the time. But she also gained like she was a, a movie star and she gained popularity and the people really drew to her over like she kind of had like a cult like influence mm. on the people of Argentina because like people just like swarmed to her and like Perón used her popularity to like rule over Argentina the song Rainbow Tour is like um Perón like realizes that Ava has all of this like capital around her and like basically sends her out on a tour says so like in the car you hear that part where he's like people of Argentina um that is that that is that song and she goes on and she like does commercials in the song and stuff like that so if Ah. I were going to draw any comparisons it would probably be like the magnetic nature of Ava Perón and maybe Lottie because they were driving toward Lottie at that time Interesting. Yeah, because then we immediately jump, Stuart, to the cabin where Misty and Crystal are getting BFFE and they're singing Rainbow Tour while they're like sweeping, which I gotta say, I really appreciated because I would be so bored if I were them. And I feel like you'd kind of want to do something fun like this, like sing songs. Remember they had a dance party in season one? Like that's the kind of energy I'd be looking for. You gotta wonder what they're doing with half their time, like, especially if like that's the one out going around and the rest of them, like she kind of rightly says, are sitting on their kind of butts all day doing nothing. Um, they've got to entertain themselves, and this is the kind of stuff that they would probably get up to. But the thing is, though, as much as this is very fun, there's nothing worse than someone singing a musical song when you don't know the lyrics yourself. Oh, so Relentlessly true, annoying. I was there just going. <laughs> Okay, this is amusing for me right in this moment, but if this was like the third rendition in a row, yeah. <laughs> I'd be I'd be <laughs> in with the coach reading. My apologies <laughs> to you, uh, the floor of my college dorm. <laughs> uh, so Shauna comes in with the bear meat and she says someone has been stealing bear meat from the shed. Now, there is the potential that it's Javi now that he's been discovered. Mm-hmm. Was it? I mean, because we could talk through some of the suspects. Grace and I did a little bit of this. Marissa, do you have a number one chalk pick on who you think is stealing the bear meat? I mean, I, I didn't until the end of this episode, but I think yeah. between this and the poupée uh, of before, <laughs> yeah. we have a little bit of, you know, Javi was around energy yeah. and some clues there. What about you, Stuart? Who do you think is stealing the bear meat? I mean, Javi is the kind of uh, strongest contender and stuff, but I wouldn't put it past Shauna just completely making it up just to keep herself entertained. This is her own version of a musical song. Shauna is known for lying and creating drama. And I wouldn't put it past her uh, creating this conflict just to either for her own entertainment or for her own kind of paranoia of everything that's going on at the moment. I could see that in this instance too, because she automatically says, like, I should be eating more, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this quickly gets overshadowed because Mari accuses Coach Ben. He thinks he's so much better than us. Uh, and Ben is feeling a little bold here. And he says, like, listen, I'm not even nimble in the snow. Like, I couldn't do that even if I wanted to. But if it had been me, what would you do about it? Would you eat me? And I'm like, don't poke the bear. Don't poke the bear, Ben. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with Mari. Stuart, I know you've gotten a good hate into Mari uh, this season. <laughs> I mean, just the worst. But, like, as he said that, I was just, like, screaming to myself, just foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Imagine that you're always on a TV show for yourself. Never foreshadow your own demise. Don't talk <laughs> about it. Just don't bring it up. 
but yeah, it's just why would you why would you say it until the why I, the idea is already there. Everyone's not talking about it. Don't manifest it. Mm-hmm. Leave it alone. I think it shows just like how out of it he like not out of it, but like his filters are way down. He's, yeah, he's like starving. completely vulnerable mm-hmm. and not able to do that. Yeah. But yes, I agree. Yeah. Uh, speak what you want into existence, not what you do not want. <laughs> yeah. And Nat stands up for Ben. This makes sense to me. They're very close uh, uh, between Ben and all the kids. He's definitely closest to Nat and Travis probably. Um, but Mari then turns on Nat and says, no, Nat, it's your fault. You don't get blessed by Lottie when she goes to hunt. Uh, and Nat, rightfully so, I'm screaming when Mari does this because I'm if I'm Nat, I'm saying, you know what? You're not even a hunter. Me and Travis are the ones out there every day, our butts on the line hunting. And Mari's like, well, Lottie got the birds because they she told them to run into the house. And I really like that we we are kind of getting a little, you could see the early signs of factions here where it seems like Ty, Shauna, and Ben are really not on the side of like Lottie has these like supernatural powers and everyone else, uh, especially even Van bringing up the bear. Like, how do you explain that? Um, seems to be more on team Lottie. So uh, Marissa, to me, this seems like early signs of a division in the group. Yeah. I mean, I think this has been bubbling under the surface for a while and this was just like an opportunity to clearly draw a line. Um, but like Mari's blind, uh, protection of Lottie like sticking up for Lottie is really I mean like I think it's a little overdone like and I don't I need to know why like Mm -hmm. I need to know what is motivating that is she drinking tea every day like first of all how much bloodletting has Lottie actually done (laughs) in this situation (laughs) because if she's you know one of my favorite musicals again sorry on the musical side is uh little shop of horrors and there is a whole like bloodletting thing in that and i'm like she is like she is gonna run out at some point yeah (laughs) i don't know what's happening i feel bad yeah so nat gets upset enough that she says you know what fine we'll have a one-on-one competition me versus lottie and i feel like we're all kind of i mean i was interested to see what the heck was gonna happen Stuart, because i'm like can lottie like just i i mean it seems to doesn't it doesn't really seem like she's always in control when it happens. It's more of just a thing that happens when she's around. Oh, completely. Lolly doesn't have a clue what the heck is going on, like whether it is her or not. Mm-hmm. She's there that's like kind of oh yeah, I'll kind of take the credit for it. And she's not even taking the credit for it. She's just not speaking up when people do attribute it to her. She's not speaking against it and being like, I don't have a clue what's going on. She's a complete and other like paper prophet. And the dedication that the others are having in her, like sort of with Mari and stuff, is kind of infuriating a little bit because they're kind of like bigging it up. They're making it more than what it is. And I think that's probably as as much in the moment I thought this might have been a bit of a dumb thing to suggest, but then in hindsight I was like, no, actually this is quite clever because like if you think about the possible scenarios of what could happen from this hunt off either Lottie is going to bring home a load of food for them, which is great, or Lottie is going to fail, be proven wrong, or Lottie is going to get lost in the woods and everyone's going to stop talking about her and, like, kind mm-hmm. of that sense. Like, it was a seemingly, at the time, a win-win for, for Nat to even suggest it. Yeah. So back in present day, we're with Nat and Lisa in the car, and Nat is doing a little bit of probing marissa oh are you allowed to Mm -hmm. leave only once a week that doesn't sound like freedom and lisa's like no we could leave whenever we want and that says oh it sounds like the illusion of freedom like you know you'll always actually come back though uh she asks about wearing purple all the time and lisa says oh well lottie wanted everyone to be equal 
However, it's interesting, Marissa. Lottie doesn't wear purple. Exactly. Equal to whom? Equal to what? Like, equal to below her? You know? I was like, there's no purple on you, Lottie. You're not even wearing the purple heliotrope Birkenstocks, which I still cannot get over. She's not even wearing them. (laughs) Yeah. And Lisa says, you know what? I've I've changed since I've been here. Um, And this, I I think we'll talk a little bit more about when she has the conversation with her mom, which I found really enlightening. And I really liked the character building for for Lisa in this season because she is a a new character we need to learn more about. Um, But first, let's go to therapy. Uh, The most one of the most sus things sus 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 Stuart is Lottie's therapist of 10 years <laughs> suddenly Dr. Graham is on sabbatical and she made an appointment out of her regular scheduling and just ends up with this new person uh no warning at all from her therapist of yet again 10 years uh and so she asks the therapist you know I think I want to up my meds I'm having visions again for the first time in decades it keeps happening it needs to stop uh, and she says the last time it became something different, it can't happen again. And Stuart, instead of the therapist saying, you know what, maybe we should up your meds because you're having <laughs> visions. She says, oh, maybe you should reframe your thinking. Maybe ask yourself, what do you think they're trying to tell you? Stuart, are, you, are the red flags flagging for you? Alarm bells were not only sounding, they were screaming. This was just the worst possible thing that could happen. Firstly, I mean, like, who goes on sabbatical and doesn't let all of their patients know, especially ones of, like, that length in time? Secondly, if someone's coming to you and saying they're having psychotic visions, perhaps don't say lean into them. (laughs) Like, what what is going on in this world? And also... This therapist who has come in and apparently is kind of like sort of um, very much aware of what is going on with Lottie's kind of record, kind of look through the files and everything like that. And Lottie kind of goes, oh, you know what's happened in my past. <sighs> like, there's something just there. It's just flagging for me as being like, no, 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 this isn't who you think it is. This is yeah. someone that's put there. And it just begs the question of, well, who sent them? Is this another kind of like tie um like hired person like detective or anything like that or is this something completely separate something relating to another cult perhaps this asked this begged so many questions and it just got everything kind of kicking off in my mind yeah marissa i saw mm. a reddit theory mm. uh from uh where is the person's name on here okay i'll have to look it up uh, yeah later. i'm not seeing it um but they speculated that there is a third group so here's what they had to say there's a third group it's not led by any of the girls or guys from the original yellow jackets plane they were in the woods before the plane crashed and carved the symbols on the trees they killed the cabin guy and killed travis lottie wasn't telling that the whole truth they built the shrine in ty's basement and killed biscuit they've been keeping an eye on the survivors and come into their lives to influence events so they're speculating that three of the people that are a part of this group are this the psychiatrist for lottie not mm. dr graham but the new one um because again uh really un- like it's really weird that the original psychiatrist didn't tell her he's going on vacation on top of that like suggesting you lean into visions is super weird their other person that they think might be involved is the the truck driver that picks up ty uh just because oh he just so happened to be there and he recognized and ty- uh, recognizes ty and offers her a ride and the third person they think is a part of this uh, other faction is Walter. Ooh. What do we think well, about this theory? Okay. So I think there could be 
another group, whether that's another group from the woods is my biggest question here. I keep going back to that one 1998 flashback we get with Lottie getting treatment and then also saying they're going to help you like they helped me. I need to know what that help was. I need to know who was involved in that help because I think this is where a break in Lottie happened. Like, I think Lottie was like writing, like you were saying, Stuart, like she has no idea what's going. It's just like a a coincidental lineup of events in terms of um, what happened in the wilderness. And she was able to use that to her advantage then. And then she gets this treatment and something happens. But the only thing that she knows is how to like, garner people for healing in some sort of way like she tries to go back to what she was in the wilderness in the present time so i think if there is a connection between these three people it is not necessarily tied to the wilderness but it is post return because it could be like a manipulation or a using of what happened in the wilderness to impact and gain power in the present that's my that's my building upon this theory Uh, i know there's a lot of like there needs to be like the others there needs to be another group out in the wilderness but um i think if we see that i i enjoy the comparisons to lost but if we keep if we see that i i think i'm like i don't need i don't need lost 2.0 at that point and i think there's more there's more to do here yeah yeah um also the the user is which underscore way underscore witcher um so thank you for that theory because that, that was fascinating i do yeah. think like i think there's something there i feel like in this particular thing i feel like maybe there is a third group but it's not exactly like these three specific people are are a part mm-hmm. of it um but let's go back to 1996 we're gonna have lottie versus nat Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, when the question comes up of okay, but who should gets the gun? Maybe we should draw for it again. These cards and the drawing of cards coming into play. Uh, Mari says Lottie doesn't need a gun, and if I'm Lottie, I'm like Mari, shut up, <laughs> <laughs> give me the gun. <laughs> she gets a little dagger. Uh, they get all suited up for hunting. Um, this is this part did make me laugh a lot, Stuart. When Lottie closes her eyes, she hears something, she turns around, there's the symbol on the tree, she walks up to it, puts her hand on it, closes her eyes and breathes, and then she like peeks open with one eye, and then she just goes, <laughs> Oh, F me. And she has no idea what she's doing. <laughs> it's so funny. It's like just to see someone completely out of their depth and being called out to kind of demonstrate supernatural powers when they really don't have them at their disposal they may they may have them like somewhere deep down there may be something that's triggering them but they have no control whatsoever and lolly kind of just admitting that to herself in that moment was hilarious to me it was so good it felt like it was a little bit of comic relief marissa but also it does also feel to me that we're pointing out that 1996 Lottie is much more humble and that she kind of realizes she doesn't have all the information and all the power Whereas present day Lottie feels like she would be like, I've got this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it also points to a very large vulnerability and fearfulness that shows up in wilderness Lottie and young Lottie because she, this is something that is only held together by the belief of of other people. She's trying to put her, like her actions behind the beliefs of others. And I don't even know if Lottie believes in herself at this point. Yep. So back in the present day, uh, we're in a parking garage, like at a mall or something. Shauna runs into Alana's mom. She says, oh, thank you for having Callie over so much. You know, I wrote you room and board. And she finds out, yeah, Callie hasn't been staying there. 
uh, which leads Shauna to do some, I, I, I'm not a parent, so I don't know if I can judge, uh, you know, Shauna snooping around in Callie's room, but she does it. She finds the piece of Adam's license uh, in her drawer and uh, Callie is just walking around texting Jay, the undercover cop who we've not seen now since his original episode. And Shauna's like, hey, come come in the car with me. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Callie's in trouble. I totally thought we were going on like a seven type of road trip here. Like what's in the box? Like what's in the box? I don't want to get in this car. Because yeah. um, she's riding high off of this energy from like getting away with getting her car back. And so it was dangerous territory for sure. Yeah. Uh, then at the diner, Misty immediately wants to ask this waitress, like, about the cult. It's a small town. She probably knows where it is. But Walter's like, she could be one of them. Uh, so we see Stuart. <laughs> one of the weirdest <laughs> breakfast situations, I have to say. Ooh, it talk. was, it was ham, like, looked like Canadian bacon almost. Uh, a, like, kind of like a burrito or a taco. Mm -hmm. Then we add some egg. Okay, all's fine. We're great. We're, we're driving. Add some maple syrup. Sure, I oh, guess. Okay. Yeah. Yellow mustard. What is going on? <laughs> What kind of metal did they use in that metal plate in his head? Was it lead? Because there's something not right. I was watching and I was like, what's he constructing? This is like really intricate, but this is obviously something that he just does. And then the mustard, I was like, no, I'm out. I'm, I can't deal with this. The mustard. Okay, I will just for a moment defend the mustard because... Is it like honey mustard, but with maple syrup? Like, instead of putting honey, you use maple syrup. Because you have honey mustard. People will eat honey mustard and put it with ham. So maybe this is but what I'm he was going for. Like, I wouldn't use honey mustard in breakfast foods. It is good on an so egg, like a hard-boiled egg. But yes, I can see where it could be off-putting, for sure. Yeah, it just wasn't it. It wasn't it. I'm so sorry, Walter. I'm still on your side for the most part, but... I love like other weird food combinations from like is this his thing? <laughs> like, we're just... definitely gonna see some other weird stuff from Walter. I don't know about food, but I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, and I love you... how this is. Uh, go ahead, Stuart. I know. I was just gonna say it kind of makes you wonder. Like, kind of, are they doing these kind of things intentionally? Like, is he is he doing the weird food thing because it's like, oh, he's so kooky and strange, and it's meant to be endearing, and we're meant to kind of fall for it, or is this subtle layering of just no, don't trust this guy. He's got some weird food choices, and he's gonna have some weird choices coming down the line as well. I feel like at this point, though, he has already weirded out Misty a little bit, so you'd want to let up off the gas a little bit, maybe mm -hmm. because. After this, she says, what's your deal? Like, why are you here? Do you not have a job? And he says, oh, don't you remember there was a guy who, like, scaffolding broke and caused a bunch of bricks to fall on me. And I have a metal plate in my head. I got $6 million. I don't think he says this if it's not true because Misty is 100% Googling this. Oh, There's yeah. no way she's not checking in and validating all of this, right? And he gave, like, so many details for her to grab onto. Uh, but right away, Misty is like, okay, I gotta like move forward with this because this guy might not be what I originally thought he was. So she flags down the waitress and is like, hey, what's the deal with the cult? Where do they live? Uh, she finds out, oh, they sell honey at a farmer's market on Tuesdays. And this is our lucky day because today is Tuesday. Uh, so they're going to be off to go to the farmer's market. Meanwhile, Ty is hitchhiking, which I was screaming at my television because it's terribly dangerous and doesn't work out well a lot of the time. Uh, and a trucker stops and recognizes her. And I was screaming even more because it made me fearful that like this guy is not well-intentioned 
and he's lying about voting for her and he probably does know who she is but doesn't mean he voted for her um but uh he has a pen and i this was weird to me marissa how much they focused on this where she it's like one of those pens where you turn it upside down and like these clothes fall off of a woman and it was like a really weird camera angle when they when they flip it and it made me wonder if did she switch to Issa in that moment? I think, yeah, I think something like that was going on. Um, when I was deep diving into the Reddit verse for this podcast, a lot of people were wondering if this is a gift for Van because she's on her way for Van. Oh. So maybe this also was like reminding her of that time. And that was mm-hmm. just like, like a switch to that as well. That's interesting. Yeah, Stuart, what do you make of this? Does the camera angle have anything to do with anything or is it just a weird little trick? They do seem to like the upside down shots quite a bit, and like when it flipped and stuff, I was thought it was just reminiscent of those. Those tend, I'm trying to think back of like whether or not any of those have really indicated the real flip uh, from uh, Teresa, but I th- I've got a feeling it's just something kind of to narratively get tie away from kind of having gone on that trip and stuff. I think it. I'm trying to think if I can read more into it, but I, I'm not seeing much. I, th- I think it's just hitchhiking hitchhiking Mm -hmm. and finding some random but i think there could be something about the convenience of happened to being picked up by someone that just happened to vote for and stuff like that i think there is something there now that that's been kind of raised but at the moment i'm not seeing it yeah i think the show really loves to just drop a lot of things that we all are like hungry to pick up as breadcrumbs that may or may not be breadcrumbs but it's still really fun to speculate about it Mm -hmm. Let's go back to 1996. We're in the cabin. Mari hears dripping again, Marissa. Mm-hmm. She's getting really annoyed about this. And I feel like we might have our answer to what the dripping might be. Okay. I mean, okay. If it was Javi, what was he dripping? Like, <laughs> like this is my thing. It, okay. Mm-hmm. It could be Javi, but what is the dripping? Is it snow melting because he's like heating up a part of the cabin like what is i know we've talked about it Mm -hmm. like it could be blood like i just i don't i don't know what is dripping my biggest concern Stuart, is how mari seems to be the only one hearing it Mm -hmm. so like if we're leaning supernatural yeah if we're leaning supernatural right like we have to think okay mari is like the biggest lottie defender so if it's supernatural is that why she's being like tapped to like be con- even more connected in um or is it more of an obvious like it's obvi hobby like he was down there doing something making noises i mean with the whole mari stuff i'm like uh, I, I, I want I, I mean perhaps my own personal kind of opinion on mari and not liking her i'm like wanting her to be completely kind of off on one and to be proven wrong but I, I can't help but think that, like, yeah, it's just Harvey just in the house. I don't know what he's up to down there. I don't know what it's doing, but he's mm-hmm. definitely in that house. Like, there's it's got to be. There's been so much that will come up kind of later on that kind of lends itself to that. But, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. fully on board with the whole idea that he's been in the house the whole time. Yeah. Out in the wilderness, Lottie finds the stump she offered the bear heart to. She cuts open her hand again on the palm. Why? <laughs> <laughs> so annoying uh she lets the blood drip and we see nat wander down to a lake where she finds a moose like just moose antlers sticking out of the ice uh now hard to tell is this an offering 
or we're going to see later they fail. They try and fail to extricate the moose from the ice. Is it more of a punishment? Like a, oops, so close, but you didn't drink the blood tea. Sorry. Uh, or is it like showing, because we saw this moose last episode also, like in a yep. vision from Nat, like Nat, like when she was in the plane, she saw yep. this, this moose. Does Nat have foreseeing abilities ah. is she able to kind of premonise about like what's what's happening when it comes mm-hmm. to at least game in this way because i was like that's way too coincidental to find a moose and i think this moose was also a white moose in the ice. it was yeah so what what are what's the connection there is the question i don't know the answer to <laughs> yeah um present day we're with lisa and nat they arrive at her mom's house And she says, oh, Todd never lets me make any stops, but please don't tell Charlotte, which is Nat's just like, "Mm." Uh, and she wants to see her fish, the 14th ghillie. Does that mean there have been 13 other previous ghillies? Oh, I hope (laughs) 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 that's hysterical. (laughs) Um, and uh and so, so yeah so we find out she isn't taking her medication she says she feels a lot better she doesn't feel cloudy anymore all throughout this conversation with her mother nat keeps butting in and we find out that lisa has depression and i i did love the moment Stuart, where lisa says like well yeah it's a lifelong thing i'm not just gonna mm-hmm. like get over it um yeah because i mean it's, it's important yeah yeah it's a huge misconception from people that think that you can be cured of it it's like no 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 you just learn how to handle it and it's it's showing that real disconnect between uh lisa and her mother like sort of immediately um and kind of putting you kind of perhaps on a little bit of the guard from the mother and kind of really understanding kind of why lisa is leaning in towards everything that lottie is offering because i mean it's not exactly lovely at home is it yeah and especially because Lisa, like, Nat keeps butting in, trying to defend Lisa. And Lisa's like, hey, like, you need to stop. And eventually uh, Lisa's mom asks Nat to step out. Um, we're back in Shauna's car. And Shauna is so sketchy. She brings Callie to a place with no cell service, has her follow her. And she's like, listen, I know you've been lying about Alana's house. Uh, and I love, okay, there is something so pure about Callie as a teenage person in this year. Where she's like, Mom, this is like so much what you're doing right now. (laughs) It is so so extra right now. You're bringing me to a place with no cell service. Come on. And I love like Shauna's facial reaction to me, Marissa, reads very much like, yeah, okay, I know. (laughs) (laughs) It was like the most mom and daughter moment I think we've seen between the two of them in like a pure hearted way, not in like a power struggle way or anything like that it was just like yeah i called her out on her on her stuff and sean was like yeah okay yeah, yeah. i'm i'm so over secrets like i can't mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just and, uh, unlike a show like uh like your successions right where it's like lauded for like the amazing dialogue and wonderful script like this feels very true to what a teenager would say i'm i'm so over secrets Stuart. like i can't <laughs> i just think it was like when Shauna's like there and she kind of just like the gods almost like drop down and she says yeah I'm just a bit being a bit extra and stuff but it's the first thing of like getting some honesty out of them Shauna's finally kind of not just uh, dismissing the daughter for like her kind of view on things and stuff it's actually kind of yeah okay I can see it from your perspective now and stuff like that and I think it goes on to like really kind of 
uh, open up this scene as to what, what it is, which is a moment for some honesty to really kind of hang in the air between them um, about bleeding time. Yeah, this yeah. feels like one of the most genuine, honest conversations we've ever seen Shauna have. And I do believe her, Marissa, when she says, like, I can't tell you about what happened in the wilderness, but maybe one day. Yeah, I think she's realizing how much that impacts her behavior now. And now that she has someone who can see it and is directly impacted by it, she wants to share, but she has to figure out what to share and how to share. Um, so she's, you know, just letting Callie know, I know you have questions, mm -hmm. just not now is like a very responsible boundary setting thing for someone to say. Yeah. Uh, Kelly does promise to not say anything. I mean, I don't know. This is Shauna's daughter. This is yeah. the whole thing. Like, <laughs> she's going to take this information and use it in some way. She's she did try play to blackmail her mom in season one. Yeah. So, yeah. She's going to play the part for a while, but this is not the last we heard. We hear of this information in her hands. Yeah. Back in 1996, uh, Van shows Ty the map that she made with the symbols marked, and she puts it on top of Nat and Ben's map that they have. And when she connects all the dots, it draws out the symbol. Ty, she just she's she can't she can't deal with this. She can't even look at it. She's denying all of it. Uh, but Van says, "I don't understand why you won't see what is right in front of you. I want to go find a tree here where the symbol should be because it is exactly where the hook would be, Stuart." This feels very important. The hook, I'm obsessed with the hook, and I don't know why, but I feel like there's something there. <laughs> it is incredibly important, but the thing is, I, 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 in this moment, I was like with Ty a little bit. I was like, okay, you're talking about the map that you have drawn from your perspective of your investigation and stuff like that. You're telling me that you're not really projecting this symbol And you can connect like the dots in many the different ways, yeah. Precisely. I mean, like, but then when you do actually see it kind of drawn out in the thread, you're like, oh, it's a pretty convincing one. Like, that's a lot of effort to go through to kind of, like, fake it. And then, oh, the... Okay, if it is, with, like, the hook and everything is and stuff, what what was... I, I, yeah, I'm at this point, it's the same as what it was with Lost. I'm like, what the heck is going on? I need to know. And yeah, this is infuriating because mm -hmm. they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. They're making me second guess everything that I'm being told. They're making me think, okay, maybe this could be rationalized. Maybe this is the supernatural thing and stuff like that. And part of me is like, okay, well, I want to rationalize it like Ty is trying to do. But then equally, I'm like, oh, but just go, just go with Van and like maybe have mm -hmm. a look and find out. That'd be just really cool. Just look around a little bit. We'll see. Yeah, exactly. Also, Van, you just go find it. Like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Like you could go. I mean, bring a buddy, obviously, buddy system in the wilderness. Have but to have a buddy system here. Yeah. <laughs> but if it's not gonna be Ty, like satisfy your own curiosity, go find out. And then maybe that would help you like win over some some trust with Ty there. Yeah. Coach Ben, uh, meanwhile, is reading the Magus, which I did look into because I'm like, well, maybe this means something. You know, we got to look at everything on the show. Uh, it's about um, a character who is a teacher at a small school. He decides to leave England. Um, and so he ends up uh, taking a new job. And he eventually he struggles with like depression. He's disillusioned. He's overwhelmed. Uh, and so eventually he meets another character, Maurice, who's like this wealthy recluse. And he's drawn in by this guy's psychological games. Uh, he has a mysterious persona. Um, and it's so interesting because it talks about there's like this God game. There's a joke, but they're more elaborate. They're more intense. And the, the main character, Nicholas, loses his ability to determine what is real and what is fake. 
And against his will and knowledge, he becomes a performer in the God game. This like could not feel more like, okay, Ben is the Nicholas. He eventually, like it says in the, in the book, he like contemplates suicide, all of those things. Like, right, Stuart, it feels like Ben is bound to be a game, a, a player in the game that the girls created complete reluctant kind of, kind of participant but yeah you, you can see it kind of being played and you can see that the fact that he's being drawn he's resisting everything that they're kind of like presenting in terms of like kind of the supernatural stuff he is no i'm not having it i'm not i'm not ha- I'm taking in any of your snackies like none of that stuff but I, I whether or not he's gonna kind of be drawn into it or whether he's gonna like i don't know perhaps fall under their blade because they're going to be like oh are you going to take part or you're going to end up like jackie did um i don't know what's going to go on with that then yeah my biggest question is is he the only one who's ever read this book only because i was when i was following up on reddit for it like Mm -hmm. um one of the questions was like characters seen reading it like what can we draw from the characters reading it so uh that might warrant some extracurricular activities for myself in terms of going back and seeing if we can track the book anywhere um and see who's reading it yeah this is fascinating we'll have to keep an eye out for that i'm going to make a link to this uh this reddit post that also does a bit of a more of a deep dive into the magus if anybody's interested it'll be in our our show notes because it's it's really an extended deep dive it's really interesting if anybody wants to read it um, I think one of the more telling things will be like, mm-hmm. where'd it come from? Is it from mm-hmm. someone's luggage? Who is packed it? From it? His? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Or is it or the cabin guys? Right? Could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and if that if it is the cabin guys, then I think that kind of presents a whole different kind of interpretation for it completely. Yep. Yeah. So Ben sets down the book. Uh, instead, he imagines how his life with Paul would have been. Uh, where he's moved in with Paul. He's looking at photos of Paul and his exes. And Paul says, those are his past. And Ben is his future. And Marissa, you found a Reddit theory about kind of like the that TV static that we've been seeing yeah. in the transition scenes. Yeah. Um, I think it says uh, A-R-I-A-D-S-8. Arids, um was questioning, do you think that the TV old video old tv video effects used in ben's flashback flashbacks in alternate reality last week and adult tie flashes in the alt tie or as we call her isa um this week were just stylistic choices or they might indicate a break a similar break for both characters i don't recall the transitions or framing it um in season one has the effect been used on any other characters if not we do we think it's possible that ben is headed for some sort of personality split like taisa would love to see theories from other watchers there were some other people that commented in and said that they noticed that there were more stat there was more static in the opening credits this yeah then last week Long garbling of it yeah and um so the big thing here is i think people are in agreement that it is a break from reality but someone also chimed in and said it also happened to lottie and jackie um to lottie and jackie while freezing so it could be like an effect of the area i don't know it's a break yeah. from something i like the idea of it using um if anybody oh, i don't want to spoil there's another show that uses a sound mechanism as like a something for viewers to be paying attention to that denotes a very specific thing happening and i like the idea of them using static to warn the viewers like oh hey this might not be real or you might want to keep an eye on this this might not be fully the truth 
um, it makes a lot of sense to me. I also think, I don't think we're going to have like a split personality type of thing with Ben. It more seems to me like this guy is starving and he is looking for alternate types of reality to immerse himself in. And this book ain't cutting it or maybe well, it's too close to home. I think this could be like the personification of the book story based on what we just talked about in terms of the, the plot of the Magus. Yeah. Any thoughts, Stuart, on the, the TV static? I've got a wild theory. Ooh, <laughs> so, ooh, we're here for it. Well, I, I think it is. I don't know if it's too original or anything like that, but I think the TV static is a, a very deliberate choice. And I think it is all relating to the whole kind of alternate kind of reality vibe of things. And this is a, a what if kind of reality. And I think that the, the choice of the TV static is very intentional because I think it is kind of pulling us back. I've got this big thing about this episode, particularly talking about um, breaking the fourth wall. Um, and we'll get onto that later, kind of with the, the theme being present kind of in the kind of show itself. And I think that these kind of breaks in reality and these visions that are being had and stuff that are accompanied by static are literally flicking to another channel almost of what could be happening elsewhere if this story was told through a different kind of narrative, different timeline or something like that. And I think that... Because we've seen it um, kind of as it's kind of being pointed out in the kind of comments to that particular theory that it happened to Lottie and Jackie when they were freezing. And I think it's also potentially what Travis was chasing towards the end of his life, which was that kind of getting to the point where perhaps the fuzziness between kind of one life and another is kind of possibly breakable. And I think that there is perhaps something there if there is anything and i think the static is kind of indicative of that i like this because it also relates to the theme of like a point of no return and it's like if you didn't yes. get on the plane like what would have happened like what is the point mm -hmm. in which you would see this alternate reality yeah i like it too i think it's really interesting i'm gonna be keeping an eye on that because it isn't something they really employed i guess beyond jackie freezing in the end of season one we really didn't see a lot of it so I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on it going forward. Uh, back at Lisa's house, Lisa's mom says, listen, I, I knew how to handle you. Uh, we find out Lisa attempted suicide previously, and it's been three months since that happened. And she says, you can't take care of yourself. How are you going to take care of a fish? Um, not because you're not going to feed it, but because you're going to take your own life and leave the fish to starve. Um, this is when Nat butts in and says that you don't know how what you're saying affects Lisa um and lisa so her mom leaves the room and lisa says listen i know i know my mom loves me even when she tries to control me um i i really loved this scene marissa and we'll get into it a little bit more when they when they end up at the bar together but there is like a, a bit of a camaraderie here a bit of a kinship between nat and and lisa given the, both their parental struggles yeah i mean nat's home life was not easy we saw a lot of that in in season one and i think she you know she didn't really have the opportunity to deal with that in a constructive way. So seeing this, um, you know, being played out for her in front of, of her in terms of what Lisa's going through kind of like fueled her interjection in, into to Lisa's story. Um, but we can tell that it's not just at this point, it's not just for getting information about the cult. Like she's, she really genuinely cares about mm -hmm. Lisa. Yeah. She cares about her so much, Stuart, that when Nat leaves, she takes the 14th gilly and puts it in her mouth to trans. Wasn't there a glass nearby? You know, 
I mean, desperate times call for desperate measures, but you've got to wonder, like, sort of, if that fish does die, uh, I don't think Lisa will be the one to blame. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta say, like, Juliette Lewis's face absolutely killed me uh, when she has the fish in her mouth, and I saw someone on Reddit say, like, oh, my dog, when I ask, what have you got? (laughs) (laughs) Just that side eye of guilt. Oh, Oh, gosh, it was so funny. I died. Um... At the farmer's market, Misty asks a person about the purple people, but of course, they're not there. Misty, and she does know where they live. So Misty wants to go right now, but Walter says, oh, it's getting late. We should stay overnight. I've already looked up a B&B we should stay at. I'm like, Walter, you are so sus right now. I can't. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what are you, what are you doing here, Walt? Well, what's going on? He's so suspicious. Uh, he thinks he's smooth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in the in the cabin in 1996, uh, we see Nat. Nat comes bursting in. She says, I found a moose. I need help. Everyone moves to help. Mari's like, oh, but it's against the rules. And Misty says, listen, I don't want us to effing starve. And Mari and Akila just stay behind and worry about Lottie. And I'm like, you both suck. And you shouldn't get any moose meat if they get it. The literal worst. Oh, it's against the rules. There's a freaking moose. It will survive you all till <laughs> spring. Go get the moose. Forget this stupid competition. Mari is the worst. I, I want Mari to die. I want them to all eat Mari. I just get rid. Get in the bin. <laughs> I think this is like interesting commentary on like belief versus action. Like you can like mm-hmm. People think that like if you believe something hard enough, it can come into play. But you also have to take steps towards that belief in yeah. order for it to happen. And so I think what we're seeing here is, um, you know, two people deciding that belief is stronger than action, and the rest of everyone going, "Oh no, we believed hard enough to get a moose. Let's go get, let's go get it. Yeah, like, it's being served to us. Let's go get it." Yeah. So in the wilderness, uh, we do see Lottie wandering around her hand is bleeding she finds the plane covered in snow that that laura lee flew away uh we see little bear leonard just sitting in the seat she finds laura lee's cross necklace in the back of the plane and when she opens it she goes down the hatch uh and there's then all of a sudden these elevator doors close on her and she's in a mall and as this whole scene is playing out a super creepy version of the theme song plays um there's a woman who tries to offer her a sweater. She sees the rest of the yellow jackets kind of in the cafeteria, like the food court, eating lunch. Laura Lee being at the head of the table. She offers Lottie some food. And when Lottie moves to eat, uh, Laura Lee's like, oh, aren't you going to say something first? Like looking for like a grace or something like that. Uh, but grace is on the other podcast, not this one. And uh, Van says like, oh, you need a coat. I saw they have a coat at Abercrombie. And Lottie said, I don't have a credit card. Well, when did that ever stop you? And Laura Lee keeps telling her, you need to get warm. You need to get warm. Eventually, she pushes Lottie, who falls into the snow in real life. And she kind of lays there, splayed uh, upside down, Stuart, almost like crucifixion style. So this is like, this is everything. This this whole, it's everything. This is wild. This is perhaps the most compelling uh, scene in the entire like episode for me. Um I've got so many different thoughts in it. Firstly, I like I think lending back into the whole kind of like breaking the fourth wall aspect. The fact that the theme tune is playing like in a creepy manner while she's there and stuff immediately made me kind of like just question what is the purpose of that choice? Why are we doing that? Why are we being made aware that there's a TV theme 
to this. It's not like a recurring kind of um, motif or anything like that. It's it's the theme tune. It's very specific to that. So what is the reason behind that choice? And secondly, I might be going down a real rabbit hole here, but the whole down the hatch, the lost comparisons here, the fact that she approaches a plane and there's Christian ideology. Who did we uh, have on the plane and Christian ideology before? Oh, yeah, lost. Who had the hatch? Lost. We are being, I swear, conditioned to react in this way. And I think that it's all about subverting our expectations with this. Um, and so I am just, the whole thing, I was just hyper alert to everything that was going on. So much so that I didn't really kind of like buy into that. I was like, what is this vision? What's the purpose of it? And I think that perhaps there's some foreshadowing in terms of like going underground. Harvey is probably going to be underground. There's going to be some, there's been theories about mines and things before and stuff like that. So perhaps this is Lolly kind of maybe getting a clue from whatever source that she's tapping into about that. Um, But then the whole Laura like pushing her out of it and saying, no, 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 you're going to die. Like, is this just projection like is it her mind being just absolutely flooded with chemicals because she is just approaching death and she's experiencing visions there's so much here that it could be and i loved it so much (laughs) yeah marissa there's definitely i mean we we did get some feedback from tracy right we're saying lottie is such an unreliable narrator we have no idea what is what is real and what isn't obviously this is a vision um, but Tracy had asserted that the presence of the theme song as mall music broke down the wall between fiction and reality for viewers because we're placed squarely in Lottie's shoes as we attempt to figure out what's happening on screen is really taking place or not. We might be losing our minds just like Lottie is. So this is fantastic. And I think like, obviously they're being very, very overt about the like Christianity and yep. kind of just like, right. Like Lottie literally is splayed out like Jesus at the end of this whole scene. Yeah. And I mean, she views a dinner, which, you know, before the crucifixion, there was a yep. last supper. And so, um, you know, it, it, that is very intentional um, yep. on our part. And I think that if you're looking at it through that lens, when it comes to blurring, fiction and reality in the frame of faith is a very interesting question because, you know, especially in the Christian faith, we're to- you're told these stories of like, mm-hmm. this person did this thing. And now it's like, okay, but like mm-hmm. how and why, you know, I, I'm wondering if there there's commentary yeah. there. It does feel like Lottie wants to believe she wants to believe there's something supernatural going on because everyone believes in her. Right. And right. so she's, pick, she's picking up the cross. She's going down the hatch. She's like, I mean, I'll, we'll get into it later. There was a really cool Reddit post of, of like the, the comparisons to Alice's adventures in Wonderland. And she's going down that rabbit hole. Right. And she is willing to put herself out there. She is willing to believe and her belief nearly gets her killed in this, in this moment. Yeah. Um, so yeah, fascinating. There was another uh, person on Reddit, uh, slightly sad snakes. Uh, <laughs> the names on Reddit uh, wrote, uh, they were thinking about this scene and it reminded them of when Jackie had her death vision, when she was surrounded by everyone and Shauna gave her a hot chocolate, Jackie ate drink from it. I noticed the scene where Lottie is about to take a bit, uh, from the food court food, Laura Lee stops her and sends her back. It reminded me of the story of Persephone and the pomegranate seeds. If you eat or drink from the mm-hmm. underworld, you have to stay. It's really, I mean, it's literally the underworld. Yeah. She gets in a elevator and goes 
underground yeah. so yeah. <laughs> first of all if the underworld is the mall in the 90s i mean i could be okay yeah um that was a vibe it was a also time. i will say i'm still i still speculate whether or not it was jackie's vision or shauna's vision that's fair because yeah. if it's shauna's that leads more credence to shauna as antler queen because it's a vision there are like supernatural things happening around her um but yeah very fascinating i agree with you wholeheartedly Stuart. like one of the most one of the scenes you could pick apart the most from this episode to try to find clues and, and hitting meanings oh, there. Like, what are people eating? What are they drinking? Why yeah. are they like? I want to know if they were. I don't <laughs> think they were, but I'm very curious to know if they were sitting in the same spots during this and the 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 feast that we talk about of Jackie's body. Like, if they were sitting, and I don't think so. I feel like they were maybe positioned a bit differently. Obviously, Laura Lee wasn't there, um, but I feel like there's something there. Um, so back at the lake, everyone is working on digging out the moose, but it is too heavy. It falls in. Nat nearly goes with it. Gets completely soaked. And I was wondering, like, okay, is this a form of punishment, right? Like, uh, because she isn't drinking the tea. Or is it just her being so stubborn and being like, no, like, she nearly goes down into the water with this moose. Yeah, I mean, I think it's survival instinct that gets her to to try to follow the moose at this point i don't know how she, what she would do like i don't know how she would pull the moose out of the water but i think it's just that desperation for food yeah so back at the bar nat asks lisa if she's gonna kill the fish <laughs> uh and uh and i i really liked this conversation it really feels like we were talking about before Stuart. like important to have when you're talking about mental health where she says, if you want to kill yourself, kill yourself, but it doesn't look like you do today. And I think that fish is going to survive the night. The rest, worry about it tomorrow. Feels very much like a day-by-day -day mantra. Mm -hmm. And it's like so sometimes as you take the victories that you can get, and if it's just one day, then you just plod on through to the next day and you deal with it then. Um, I thought this is a really kind of um, honest portrayal of what kind of a struggle with mental health is at times. Sometimes it is just a day-by-day -day thing. It isn't just a one uh, kind of uh, solution fix everything um, and I thought the fact that like sort of Nat pushes the kind of shot away I thought was just really kind of powerful in that moment yeah I'm I, I know Marissa we're all missing the Misty Nat connection that we had in season one I'm really loving what we're getting from Lisa and Nat as a pair I think we're getting to see a side of Nat that we don't get to see when she's paired up with Misty. And that really like just adds to the fullness of her character. Mm -hmm. So uh, after that, we go to B&B. Uh, Walter's room is under the name John Wayne. And Misty <laughs> decides and he's like, oh, we need one room. And Misty's like, no, 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 no. We're going to get two <laughs> rooms. Uh, and she puts hers under Lady Malawan. Um, which, uh, I had to Google because I am not someone who knows who the heck that is, but apparently it is an Agatha Christie reference, which Makes so sense. cute, Misty. You're of course it is. Adorable. <laughs> Love her. Um, which is very funny and just so very Misty. Um, and then we get this amazing funny montage of the two of them basically doing the exact same things in their rooms. They're putting their remotes in little plastic baggies to, you know, not have germs on their hands. They're cleaning the phone. They're poking around the room. To me, it looks like they're like looking for listening devices or any type of like bugs in the room. You know, not, not the, not the creep, creepy crawlies, but the listening devices. <laughs> 
very funny. Very good. I, I really love this montage, Marissa. It was very cute. Yeah, I loved the scene when they're both in the bathroom brushing their teeth and like the way that they're lined up is like they're the same person. Like you see one person's right hand mm-hmm. and one person's left hand. I thought that was really well done creatively and it'll be interesting to see how that like they're of course they're doing this to tell us how similar they are but maybe that means we're going to see how different they are in the future or maybe we will see how similar they are in the future so um when it comes to like actions outside Mm -hmm. of your nightly routines um so it was really fun yeah i loved this scene Back at Shauna's house, uh, Jeff and Shauna apologize to each other. Jeff says, you know, I realize I'm really not over the affair and I'm really sorry. Shauna apologizes too. She says everything is going to be okay. And this is when she reveals to Jeff that she told Callie everything. Jeff is really shocked, really upset. And interesting to point out here, he does say, Stuart, we only have one shot at this. We have to shield her and protect her and you've made her an accomplice. Now, I don't know how much I'm supposed to read into this, but we know in 1996 that Shauna is pregnant with Jeff's baby Mm -hmm. and him saying we only have one shot at this makes me wonder, like, I I know we're all speculating on what's going to happen to the baby, but does this mean anything about like, does the baby not even survive at all? Like what, what, you know what I mean? Like, is there something here, something in the dialogue we should be picking apart? I was trying to look to see whether or not Shauna reacted to that because the the choice of his language to say we only have one shot, not referring to a had and stuff like that. I yeah. thought maybe that kind of might kind of trigger something with her. Nothing, no, just just the most neutral shorter uh, ever. Yeah. Um, at least from what I kind of perceived on it, which then made me think, okay, well maybe this is. I I'm still I don't know on the maths of it all of whether or not I still don't know kind of what the timings are and whether it is plausibly the same uh maybe or not but yeah it's i was trying to find something couldn't and i was really frustrated because of it mm-hmm. there might be something here marissa mm-hmm. do, you, do you think is there any type of like hint or anything i mean the, what it's pretty strong language it's pretty strong like one shot that, that i mean like does that mean that they physically don't have the ability to have other children anymore mm-hmm. or didn't have other so um yeah, there's also a lot of talk on Reddit about Callie being pit girl in the end. I don't buy I that. don't think that, that yeah, but at the same time. Like, if they go back to the yeah. forest, I don't But, like, I, the, yeah, the know. Misty that was there was also young, like, in time, she'd have to time travel. Is there a connection between Callie and the wilderness? That's a bigger question to me than whether she's, you know. Yeah. Um, And this is when Callie comes in. Uh, because, uh, you know, Shauna is saying, I'm, I don't want to lie to our daughter. Like we've lied so much. Callie comes in. She says, listen, I've been lying about going to Alana's. I'm really sorry. I've been going to the park with a friend and drinking, but I'm not going to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And this is also really interesting because if she's been drinking with an undercover cop, that cop is going to be so in trouble. <laughs> like, she's underage. Well, I will also say. It is the cops. Um, so. <laughs> sorry, sorry. But, like, um, isn't there something about, like, the evidence not being admissible if, like, he's yes. giving her dr- Like, you know what I mean? He's yes. he's buying. Who's buying the bevs, you know? I mean, if this does turn into something, you know, Shauna or, or Callie could have inadvertently helped her mom by. That's like, what I'm thinking. Like, yeah. diverting the. Um, There's something there. The validity to what Callie had told her before. Yeah. Uh, but also, this was, like, such a fast 180. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Sure, Callie, you really want to chop a cucumber now, girl? Yeah, right. I just can't. How can I, I help? Her. She didn't want to help with anything when they were making burgers or no. anything like that. She doesn't seem like the helper. I don't know. I was it just is so suspect. Like, I we have to remember Callie is Shauna's daughter, you know? Yes. And I just I can't there's something more there. I mean, would you can change quite dramatically if your mother could like reveal that she had killed someone? Oh, for sure. Like, I'd I, I be like, more time I, with I, her, though. I would never chat back ever again. I'd be like, yeah, sure, I'll do everything. Yeah, yeah, I'll be here by ten. Yeah, I'll do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would just hide point. in my room <laughs> and wait mm. for graduation. <laughs> Tell the cops. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so back in 1996, Nat is getting a hot bath to warm up, and that's when Mari and Akila show up with Lottie. Uh, they followed a trail of blood and found her passed out near where the plane was. Um, and so Nat comes out and she says, "Put her in the tub." And then Nat and Lottie have a have a moment together where she's kind of wrapping Lottie's hand wound, and she apologizes. She says, "This is all my fault." And Lottie says, good game, you effing loser. It's like it was a very fun moment where you kind of get reminded, Marissa, that like they were teammates. Mm-hmm. That this whole the whole point of the show was like they were on a soccer team together. It's like <laughs> and you, you just kind of forgot a, that. Like a majorly huge scrimmage match. <laughs> like Yeah. You're just like, okay, good day, good game, good game. Yeah. So this is fascinating. It uh that you know, Nat is gonna sacrifice her own time in the tub because Lottie seems worse off, Stuart. I thought it was quite uh, like quite a nice moment, like the fact that like yeah the competition is there. They like sort of it came the competition came about because of a disagreement. Yeah, that's big enough to be like no 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 she needs it more than me. And I think that tells everyone in the group as to what Nat's intentions are. Nat isn't out there purposely not capturing anything to cause drama or anything like that. She does care about Lottie deep down when it comes to like kind of the real kind of tough choices about things. Um, and I thought this was something absolutely necessary for them to to progress beyond this kind of argument and to not get inflamed into a real kind of tribal uh distinction between the groups um i think that akila absolute legend in this moment of actually giving them the kind of moment yes. and getting murray the heck out of there because murray was gonna say something you just know yeah and yeah get rid no that well, you're such a good yeah. point yeah because I think uh, there's got a there's like a jealousy I think there between Mari and uh yeah and how she sees Nat. She wants to be the main mm-hmm. character, right? We all know that. Well, then okay, let me just toss out this wild theory then. Then maybe is Mari like does Mari have the power that she's like channeling through Lottie, and like it, Lottie is a scapegoat or Lottie is the vessel for the situation? Does huh? It's just it's just a question. Because we okay. Because the thing is. We haven't seen Mar. We didn't see Mari in the 1998, like getting on the plane thing, right? Um, but I have to imagine when we're talking about followers, Mari is like numero uno, a follower of of Lottie and all of that. If that comes down to it, I know well, people have like- speculated that there are certain people who never left the wilderness. Yeah. So, like, is there a chance that Mari is still out there in the wilderness? Mm-hmm. Something's gonna happen, I think, between Lottie and Mari. That's all. That's yeah. I've, got my own, I've got my own theory about Mari in the wilderness. I've got the Ooh. feeling that I've got the feeling she's pit girl. Oh, I'm oh, just gonna easy. say it. I'm. I'm uh, at this Pick point. I'm willing to go out and say it. Let's yeah. go for it. Yeah. Oh, it's dark hair. Like she'd I said, foreshadow for and manifest yeah. your reality. I want it to be the case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
in the present day, we're at Lottie's house and she's looking at these gratitude notes that she's written herself. Uh, the first one says, I'm grateful for my drive and passion. And then as she flips to the next one, there's a queen of hearts with the eyes scribbled out. Lottie closes her eyes and it switches back to a note that says, I'm grateful for my healing journey. But when she moves, uh, I'm grateful for my friends. The queen of hearts is back. This is like, I know we've talked a lot about like the deck of cards, right? And how like that seems to be how they might be picking uh, the next pit girl, if you want to call them that, the next sacrifice. Uh, I can't help but notice, Stuart, the eyes being scratched out and how that connects mm-hmm. with Thais's journey. It just begs even more like questions to be answered. Like, like kind of, um, are the two linked? Like the, the deck of cards is like a prominent feature. I mean, it's been in the poster. It's been more heavily kind of featured in the um, opening credits and things. Mm-hmm. But the eyes, like where does this all link up? That's why I'm just not getting at this point. I'm like, okay, well, they because they, they seem to be very two distinct um, visions. I mean, you've got Taisa stuff and you've got Lolly stuff. Now these are converging. So is this part of a, a grander scheme? Is this part of something that's central? Or is this something that Lolly is perhaps um, having a vision of because of something that's come about from Taisa in, in the past that we haven't experienced yet? Mm-hmm. I am yeah. lost. <laughs> It does feel like two sides of the same coin, Marissa, where we have Lottie, who is the person leaning in to the faith and the belief and the supernatural, and Thaisa, who is the the non-believer, the reluctant person who this is almost being like thrust upon, right? She wants leadership, not in this way. Um, I feel like it's only natural that these two stories have to connect at some point, and it I don't know how, but there's there's something here. Well, we know from like the younger versions of themselves there was like a repelling like nature between like ty wants nothing to do with lottie yeah and so it's it only makes sense that the like in the not only makes sense but it would make sense in the future if they have to kind of like not avoid each other anymore and kind of face each other um it is interesting um what you pointed out there just in terms of like being forced upon like again i still think that lottie doesn't fully believe in her herself like she's believing in this yeah exactly in this even even um you know in in present day we're seeing her you know go back to um i don't want to say rudimentary but like uh gratitude and um affirmations are like very basic healing coping mechanisms like Mm -hmm. these are very so she's like going back to like the start for herself so her faith in herself and the system is definitely still not as strong as you might think it would be for a cult leader yeah at that point yeah it's really fascinating definitely keeping my eyes open oh you gotta uh, keep, like everyone keep your eyes open <laughs> everyone keep your eyes yeah that's um, you <laughs> lottie leaves her house in the present time uh and she goes out in orange marissa she's wearing what? orange yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't see any like purple turning towards her at this point, but no, she was just getting, yeah, she's walking. Yeah, she's she goes much. to a nearby stump that kind of has the same shape as the one from the wilderness that she sacrificed the bear heart to, cuts her palm open yet again. I'm just like, have you not learned anything, Lottie? <laughs> um, but she does say, Can this just be enough, please? So it seems like she's hoping that this sacrifice, Stuart, to the to the wilderness is enough. For her to stop being plagued by these visions. 
I mean, you certainly, um, that's certainly what she's hoping for, but uh, I couldn't help but wonder, like, who the heck is she talking to here? Is she just talking into the etherealness of the kind of, like, uh, supernatural? Or is she talking something specific? Is there something that she's addressing in this? Um, and, yeah, cut out the palm cutting. Like, please, just please stop, guys. <laughs> uh, you feel her desperation, Marissa, um, which, like, we this is we have this is a new sign or excuse me a new side to Lottie that we're seeing because I think she's led with a lot of confidence previously, and so getting to see a more vulnerable side to this this older version of Lottie is interesting. Yeah, I mean I think it just points to the fact that she what do we know about her? She knows that she can calm people down by putting like mm-hmm. by putting her hand on on over their their heart and really calming people down that part i think she definitely believes in but all of this other stuff that's around her the only thing she can tie to is blood letting and she's not seeing at least in this present time she's not seeing results as quickly or as fastly or like things are not going in a way that she has been used to so all of these like circumstantial coincidences that lined up for her in the wilderness are not doing that here and it leads to her to this like desperation of okay am i gonna have to like give my hand at some point am i gonna have to like just work my way you know is she gonna have to die at the Mm -hmm. end of this for something i'm sure our thoughts that are going through her head because she's just so desperate for things to line up in the way that they did she's been seeing these visions like with the the blood honey and the the cards you know like this is happening it's happening more frequently and i'm sure giving her history of mental illness um it can also be very you know rattling to her nervous system and on you know shout shake her foundation so the only thing she knows that people have told her has worked in the past is letting her her own blood and so but i don't know if that's something she actually believes Mm -hmm. yeah uh back in 1986 in the wilderness van and ty are looking for the symbol they can't seem to find it but van does notice there's a spot on the ground that is warm where the snow has melted uh, Ty hears a twig snap, sees someone, and she chases them. And eventually they find them. And it is Javi. 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 He's here. Uh, Marissa, you found a, a little Reddit theory um, about this return of Javi. Well, yeah. And I think it builds off of something we talked about in a previous episode. Um, but like the connection between Javi and the man with no eyes. And um, especially because of how Javi looked, um, Lagtime Art on Reddit said Javi looked like a shadow figure when the girls were chasing him. I think he is dead, and something else took over his body. I don't know if we're there yet, but there's definitely something Smoke monster stuff, yeah, going on there. <laughs> um, and then uh, there was another comment by R10 who says he looks so uh, he looks unsettling now. I'm starting to wonder about a connection between him and the man with no eyes. He may big way Ooh, interesting the man with no Ooh, Stuart. could the man with no eyes have been instructing javi like he was instructing isa certainly possible i know i'm never going to rule anything out but i think in this particular case i think there's uh, a lot of reading into stuff that perhaps is just simple <laughs> i think the fact that he was a bit shadowy was just a technique of making us kind of wonder oh who are they chasing Oh, it's Harvey. Like to kind of keep that kind of suspense up and yeah. looking unsettled. I mean, he's been on his own for like God knows how long and yeah. likely yeah. Uh, in a house yep. like hiding and stuff like that. I think that that's going to have uh, like 
so much mental toll on someone that they are going to be a bit shaken. They are also like his last interaction with someone was, I can't remember who it was. I think it was, was it Shauna? Shauna telling him yeah, to he run. Wouldn't run as they are literally like yeah. pounding on his brother. I was like, kids probably got trauma. Like yeah. that's probably why it's really unsettled. But I think yeah. what's really interesting about this whole um, thing is just a bit before it's like another kind of like hot, uh, melty snows, mossy kind of um, area. Leading to the fact that perhaps maybe there's something warm underground, perhaps down the hatch, maybe who knows? I think we're, yeah, I think a lot of the suspicions are okay, there's others. Uh, he was in the mines, right? Like, how did he possibly survive? They, these girls are struggling to survive, and there's a whole group of them. They have guns, they have ammo, uh, they have a shelter, right? How is it possible that Hobby was able to survive this long? I'm really intrigued. Marissa, I feel like they might draw this out a little bit, uh, giving us answers oh. on the whereabouts mm -hmm. of Hobby for all this time, because uh, from what we tell, he, he doesn't look very chatty currently. Yeah, and I think, you know, to, to Stuart's point in terms of trauma, that, that'll shell shock you if you've been through through something and you just can't answer questions or even want to, because every time we retell something that was traumatic, we are experiencing, like our body is experiencing that trauma again. So I, I hope the girls, like, let him come to them. I just but I know they won't. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think part of it is they're so excited to see him, yeah. right? I think everyone's going to be wondering what was out there. What did you see? Um, but also, it's another person. They've been just them for so right. many months that they're, you know, they're going to be like, "Oh my god, a new person who has new stories and interesting things to say." Well, and then of course you have Travis, you know. And you have the one up for Lottie because Lottie is the one who said that he was alive this whole time. Yep. And so, like, what is it going to do between Travis and Nat? What does it do for everybody's belief in Lottie? I think this is a real amplifier for Lottie. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Uh, so back at the present day on the cult compound, Nat is smoking a cigarette, watching Lisa show off her fish. Uh, she still has Lottie's keys and she looks in at Lottie's room and I cannot wait for her to go a snooping. I want to see <laughs> Juliette Lewis in all of her glory, just snooping around someone's room. That's going to be so fun to see. Uh, back in 1996, Ty and Van bring a hobby into the cabin. Travis says, it's me. It's your brother. Nat has this like extremely guilty look on her face and she walks away. And yeah. Mari, of course, says Lottie was right. Javi is alive. Uh, and Van says, but it was Ty. Ty who knew where he was. You can't deny this anymore. There is something deep inside of you that is connected to all of this. And uh, I mean, frankly, Marissa, Ty looks really upset that she got pulled into this because she didn't want to talk about these connections she's having. Yeah, she's trying to avoid this like whole thing, mm -hmm. which I don't I don't blame her. It's got to be really scary and confusing. And like, she probably just wants it to go away. And it has to do with like her family and like she can't see her family right now. And like all this stuff, it's got to be like a lot. Um, but Van's there, like, look over here, <laughs> like <laughs> look over here. So um, I imagine there's probably some fallout between the two of them upcoming, at least in the 1996 timeline. I mean, yeah, and it seems like uh, sooner rather than later, Stuart, we're going to be getting a uh, Nat-Travis confrontation. I was just mortified the moment, like, kind of, you knew the moment that it's brought back that you could look at Nat and just see what her reaction is, because she was like, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Mm -hmm. um, that conversation is going to be a really tough one, because is Nat going to try and just be like, well, I did find something and just kind of put it out there and like kind of lean into perhaps the kind of spooky stuff and 
kind of further kind of um, push that kind of narrative um, amongst the group and kind of maybe use it to her advantage? Or is she going to just completely be honest with uh, about it all? I don't know. Um, and with Nat, I don't really know if you can ever predict what her behavior will be. And yeah. I'm really looking forward to what does happen because whatever it, the choice is, it's going to be explosive. Oh, yeah. I think I think at first she's going to try apologizing and everything. But if I know anything about Nat, she has a bit of a temper and I feel like she's eventually going to explode on Travis about it. So that should be mm-hmm. that's going to be really fascinating to watch. Well, and she's like playing with a lot of fuel because not only did she like lie, like she did this to to help Travis is going to be her mm-hmm. story. But then they had, you know, they had that sex of like cosmic proportions where he was like seeing visions of Lottie. So Travis is going to be like totally like it i don't think it matters what nat says because no. travis is going to put a lot of stock in lottie at this point i think so too i think it's definitely going to bond travis more to lottie than ever before um i also wonder if i mean we know travis and nat this wasn't the end of their relationship we know they were still together like after they were rescued and everything like that so i think part of it might be travis is like so happy to have hobby back that he might end up forgiving that a bit quicker than we'd expect but i do expect there to be a ton of hardship in terms of javi not communicating uh, to mm. any of them if if he doesn't so that'll be really fascinating to watch um then we're back in present day we're in some random town ty gets out of the truck walks into a store called <laughs> while you were streaming <laughs> and there is van and she smiles she asks ty and ty just goes Hey, Van. And we all just scream because we're so excited. <laughs> so happy. <laughs> oh, just like, I, first of all, first of all, the fact that we get Lauren Ambrose on our television screens, just a treat, a glory. If you've seen Six Feet Under, uh, yeah. magnificent. I'm so, And let's be real. She looks so much like Van. Like the casting, 10 out of 10. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just, I'm so excited to have adult. I, I feel like this is going to lead to answers for us. I mean, I, you know, we, we, you know, we probably all think we're getting more answers than we actually are, but like, I just feel like this is what Ty needed, right. To reconnect with Van, to go back to that part of her life. And I'm so excited to see what's going to happen to her. I think for me, look at the biggest thing about the whole reveal and stuff is the, the kind of what I was um, doing with the whole kind of different tribes that were emerging is that kind of we've got uh, Nat, Ty and Shauna kind of on the kind of more skeptical side of things, the more realistic. And we've got like Mari and Van who are like really leaning in. And I was like, oh, maybe that's going to like tell, say who stays in the woods and who doesn't. But Van got out. So what does that mean for the like the grand scheme of things? Also, the amount of little Easter eggs that were hidden in this seed as well, like the sign behind with all the kind of different films. I mean, you're telling me that Mean Girls um, Into the Wild being right next to each other just wasn't intentional. Um, also, <laughs> this, there's, there was a lot of detail in this seed. Um, but yeah, overwhelmed in the moment. I was just like, just giddy with the possibility of what can be done now in terms of uh, telling this story uh, now that Van is in the picture. Yeah, and thanks to uh, to Allie, who sent in feedback saying the while you were streaming was a reference to while you were sleeping, which is the rom-com that Van is retelling in the woods before she gets attacked by wolves, which is just a fun, just a mm-hmm. very fun Easter eggy detail there. Um, really, really loved that. Yeah, and Rachel, who also wrote in with some of that detailed analysis in terms of what was um, 
what movies we're showing, what movie posters can be seen. And um, I'll make sure to post that in the discord if you want to dive into that, because there were some uh, really big, really big clues there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that was that was our episode. That's where we end up. Um, But we, of course, still have some feedback to get into from all of the lovely listeners. Again, if you want to send in feedback, postrecups.com slash buzz, buzz, buzz to do so. Uh, Mary said in the flashback slash flash uh, forward scenes from the pilot of the pit girl slash cannibalism ritual scenes, Misty is the character who is trusted to handle the food and bring it to everyone. Another tally in the column that Mari is pit girl. Like the only way Misty would be trusted near the food is if Mari isn't around to complain about it. It's all coming together. (laughs) Manifest the future. I'm just saying. Um, what did we hear from Dana, Marissa? Yeah, Dana wrote in to say on the early Buzz podcast, Grace and Jess wondered why adult Lottie's doctor suddenly went on leave. At first, I talked it up to the nefarious evil entity b- being involved, but this entity cannot be or can't be the deus ex machina for everything on the show. If I learned anything from Lost, everything is interconnected. My theory is that the doctor is on leave because their significant other is hospitalized in critical condition, critical condition, or perhaps even dead. Why? Because the significant other was the person on the other side of that Thaisa-initiated vehicle crash that put Simone in the hospital. In Lost parlance, this is equivalent to the car crash that led Jack Shepard to meeting his ex-wife Sarah parallel to Simone, while ultimately killing Shannon, Rutherford's father, parallel to Lottie's doctor's significant other. I kind of love this. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> mm-hmm. I kind of love this, Dana, because if if the, if the um, therapist isn't is if there's not shenanigans there i love this as like uh everything's connected it's brilliant and i I love it yes yeah uh shout out that was a good call Mm -hmm. um connor writes in and says do we think it's possible lottie's cult members will be a possible scapegoat for the murder of adam now that misty and elijah wood or walter are teeping up to uncover more information about adam and nat's disappearance and the fact that we know lottie's cult was watching nat and possibly other yellow jackets closely i feel like it's possible these stories will intersect that's interesting i feel like it's possible the cult members already know about the murder of adam if they were really watching all the yellow jackets so closely that could be but if anybody could pin this on the cult it's gonna be misty (laughs) like i just think that she could like line it all up so that that could be the story that makes the most sense yeah this is very true um and then of course tracy who sent in just uh, tracy i love you and you mind uh the anagrams she's gonna do weekly anagrams for us one main (laughs) character a week she's gonna start with the other citizen detective so this is uh misty quigley um we got emily gutsy iq Jim is quietly, guy is limey, QT, and ET guy, IQ slimy. I mean, ET could have been real slimy, so IQ could have been. (laughs) 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 I love this. I don't know what something about anagrams just tickles a part of me that I can't even. It's so funny to me. Guy is limey. Is there something about limey? Is that like a is that a British phrase, Stuart? No, I'm particularly blimey. Aware of, I'm thinking blimey. Oh, blimey, yeah, potentially. Blimey. Um, but I mean, I love the investigation into the anagrams. I mean, as a D and D player and stuff, it's the it's the easiest trope yeah. you can do to like pull one over on your players and stuff is to hide an anagram in there. As one that's been on the receiving end of that and has been infuriated <laughs> by it, yeah. I love the determination of looking out for them because inevitably there may be one. Yeah. Oh, so good. 
Are we making soap? That's the line connection that I can make. Oh, soap. There's something there. Misty loves soap. I don't know. Misty's a girl who would would appreciate a fancy soap, you know? Um, Anyway, I do have one more Reddit pick that we need to uh, discuss here because I am obsessed with this theory. Um, So, posted by Byware Mom. B were mom, I, you know, I'm struggling. Uh, all about the keys. They've been noticing the recurring theme of keys in the last couple episodes. Uh, uh, so we got Paul offering keys to Ben, Shauna getting the keys back to her van, Ty getting the car keys mm-hmm. from her assistant. Then we see Ty getting the key under the Matt at Jessica Roberts house, Natalie getting the keys from Lottie, which has a key to her cabinet. Misty and Walter getting keys for their rooms at the B&B. Obviously, Shauna has keys to Adam's loft. Um, anyway, the symbol... Almost looks like it can be a keyhole. And I was like, you know, the brain blown emoji. That is what my whole, my socks knocked clear off the room. Like, I love this, Stuart. It's everything. I mean, you're talking about the brain head emoji thing. That's literally me right now because I didn't read this beforehand. (laughs) Wild, wild. And I love it so much because it's absolutely true. Um, And do you tell me that like sort of we're talking about where have he's been we're seeing hatches and things like that and this just happens to come about absolutely i'm all in on this yes they say perhaps the markings on the trees are keyholes that need a key to access something underground or it maps out what the key is to escaping the wilderness by matching when the sun is at a certain position over the mountains is that when the door is unlocked all of this marissa is absolutely brilliant and that's not even all this person had to, i just <laughs> If you're listening, if you by chance, uh, be were mom, by were mom, if you're listening, thank you so much because it's absolutely brilliant. Reach out. Please send us feedback. Um, they said, expanding on their theory, they have a through the looking glass theory. So now, just, <laughs> I just, <laughs> um, because, because, uh, as soon as I read this part where they say, Laura Lee resembling Alice with, with, the, with the headband, headband. Mm-hmm. come on. Uh, Lottie going down the hole, many references to rabbits, which I, if you all remember season one, my obsession with the rabbits, cannot <laughs> stop looking at them. Um, queen of hearts off with their heads, rip biscuit, yep. mushroom yep. inducing visions, Lottie's quote unquote tea, the mouse found in the pantry, references to keys, playing cards, mad hatter could possibly be Lottie. Um, a Cheshire cat could be Ty, uh, in the tree. Shauna's sleeping when they quote unquote entered the wilderness wonderland. Um, just like so many things where there is like connections, the summer versus winter picks in the wilderness opening. We have older versions versus the younger versions, the Walter and Misty being mirror images of each other. We have like, obviously Ty seeing her altar in the mirror. They're so, and I, a lot, a lot of media uses Alice's adventures in wonderland, right? It is like one of the most commonly used things, uh, probably uh, less common than the Bible, but like it is up there in terms of what people like to reference in media. And Marissa, I'm obsessed with these theories. <laughs> I, I can't, I've never felt like it has unlocked something in my brain so much than when I read these theories. Oh yeah. No, I, when we had talked about Alice in Wonderland offline before the pod, and I was like, Oh, I could see it now. Like you just can't unsee this after, after it's been presented to you. Um, I do also remember in the early 2000s, late nineties, there was a Disney channel, Alice in Wonderland version. So I'm like, are we going there? Like, like trying yeah. to see if that, you know, that's what we're talking about. But yeah, it's hard to deny these, 
these parallels and these these consequences. What I'm loving about all of this is basically like this show is how many stories can we retell in yeah. one in one cohesive plot? How are we mm-hmm. retelling, you know, the story of Jesus? How are we retelling the story of Alice in Wonderland? How are we retelling Lost? How are we retelling all of these things? How can we, you know, bring them together in a way that tells a new story? Yeah. That's really, really interesting to me. Yeah, I I just love this. Um, Stuart, did you have any other wild and crazy theories you want to discuss today while you have the chance on the podcast to talk about it? Okay, big brain time. Let's think yep. about it. Um <laughs> Okay, so no, I have, I'm like so. I try to like dip my toes into all the theories and things like that, but I kind of read so many of them that I'm just like, oh, that could be true, that could be true, and I'm just lost in them all. I am big on the one that I've mentioned before, which is the kind of fourth wall breakingness of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, more so now that I've got the understanding of what the book is, uh, the coach was reading and stuff as well, mm-hmm. like the whole God playing this. I think that this is a complete and utter love letter to media from past, present, and like kind of to Lost, the Alice in Wonderlands, the everything. And I think the only way in which we are ever going to like kind of come up with potentially an answer to any of this is to just dive into all of those kind of medias that are being referenced yeah. and see what the common common thread is between all of them. Because I don't think that any of this is unintentional. In terms of just wild theories going out there, I mean, Mari being pick up, I mean, that is just the one that I'm all in on. Just get mm-hmm. rid of. <laughs> uh, Do you think well, this... we'll get the answer to that, like, this season? Ooh, or do you think it'll be... I, I don't know how many seasons we have planned. I know we definitely have a season three. Yeah, they wanted you five, but we've mm-hmm. obviously we know we have a confirmed three. Yeah. If we do go to five, I reckon we'll probably find out that stuff in four and then we'll get like a kind of like the fallout in five, um, which is somewhat infuriating to kind of have to realize because there's so much waiting to be done. Like I'm, I'm having enough time that is after you binge this for four days and then have to go to a week to wait for an episode. Mm-hmm. Hell, hell, it's awful. This is why you don't listen to Jessica Sterling. Allow the <laughs> show to finish and then binge it like a week before but you the have finale. To be in on the theories while they're happening in real time, otherwise you miss you out. Do. You do get so much more enjoyment from actually kind of um, being embedded in the theories, but like I said, it keeps you up. Like you will just, you will drive yourself as wild as these characters are driving themselves because there's so much and there's so many possibilities and I love it so much. Yeah. Again, if you have any theories, please send them in, poshorecaps.com slash buzz, buzz, buzz. If you want to subscribe to this podcast, poshorecaps.com slash yellowjackets, of course, Tons more podcasts going on here. We got Succession. We got Ted Lasso. We got Mando. There's everything. A little bit of stuff for everybody. Pushyourrecaps.com slash subscribe. Give us a little rating and a review. Five stars always helps us get higher in the charts, which means we hear from more people, which means we have even more theories to talk about on this podcast. So please do that. Uh, Stuart, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so happy I bullied you to watch the show and that you were able to (laughs) chat about it with us today. Uh, Where can people find you? What else do you have going on if you want to plug anything? Um, typically, I'm just in the PSR Discord. Uh, normally, just uh, channeling about D and D for the most part. Um, but was recently on um, PSRPGs uh, with the wonderful DM Philly, as we did a playthrough of The Last of Us, uh, which was very much enjoyable, um, if a little bit more funnier than what the show was. But uh, yeah, 
Um, other than that, I'm on Twitter as DM Stuart. Um, usually just kind of ranting about whatever I'm watching at the moment, which is great. Amazing. Marissa, where can people find you? You can always... Well, I don't want to say always. Did I jinx it? Uh, as long as Twitter is there, you can find you me uh, <laughs> on there as Mars Bars, M-A-R-Z-B-A-R-S. Uh, I am currently helping out on Ted Lasso podcast, and then we'll be kicking off coverage of a spy thriller called Citadel, which will be on um, Amazon Prime Hi. with Jason Reed. We are departing from our family sadness podcasts that we usually cover with like <laughs> this is us yeah and, and going uh, you know into some spy territory so that'll be coming uh last week of april so uh that's the latest and greatest for me just what's going on with you i'm always talking about succession that's all i talk about all day every day only so go check me out on posher week i was talking about succession a few times a week um and of course if you want to catch up on the, the the if you're if you're going looking for something a little lighter something a little silly Go listen to the Dawson's Creek podcast on Shit 90 Shows Taught Me because the show is a mess. It's a hot mess and we love talking about it. Um, so, And we're also doing a this month we're doing We Know Them uh, where we're covering content that the the characters, the, the actors from Dawson's Creek were in. So first thing we're going to do is Varsity Blues, which I'd never seen. What? And James Vanderbeek doing a Southern accent is almost everything I need in my life because it's hysterical. I've never seen Listen, I don't watch sports things. Did you watch okay? The Office? Yeah, I watched The Office. Okay. I know they were supposed to. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We have a whole season there. Um, we're going to be talking about that very soon. It's going to be really fun. So check us out at Shit Mighty's Pod. And you can find me at the Jess Sterling. We thank you all for listening. And we'll be back next week with episode five of season two. And until then, above, above, above. Ah.